Hello, hello, and hi, 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 and welcome to a Beatles podcast, actually a solo Beatles podcast called Talk More Talk. This is a bi-weekly show that we do here on Facebook every two weeks, and we talk about the solo careers of the Beatles, which I'm always proud to say is the most successful solo careers in the history of music for many artists that came from a previous group. And I'm Ken Michaels. Hopefully you guys know me for my syndicated Beatles radio program called Every Little Thing, currently heard on almost 40 radio stations. And I'm also part of another Beatles podcast called Things We Said Today. And I'm being joined by my esteemed colleagues here on the show. Let me introduce each one of them to you. First of all, we have the queen of all Beatles media. She might as well just be the queen of all media. Ooh. And um, oh, she pretty much tackles everything. <laughs> but uh, you know her for a couple of books that she's written called Songs We Were Singing, Guided Tours Through the Beatles' Lesser Works. Also, Michael Jackson, FAQ, All That's Left to Know About the King of Pop. She has these long titles for books, by the way. <laughs> she writes deep tracks, all about the deeper tracks of the Beatles, which is a wonderful column that she writes on a regular basis. And... We welcome Kit O'Toole. Bye, Kit. Thank you, Ken. That was quite an introduction. <laughs> Hi, guys, and uh, hello, everybody. That uh, oh, somebody just called me Howard Stern's mate. No, no, no. no. We could start a rumor. <laughs> yeah, sure. Don't want that. <laughs> also on the show is the guy that you know as being one of the two regular co-hosts for a Paul McCartney solo Paul McCartney podcast called Two Legs. He's been with us since the very beginning. Great guy, Tom Hunyadi. Hi, Tom. Hi, Ken. Thank you very much. Hi, Kit. Hi, Joe. And uh, another fun episode. Look forward to it. And also we have with us, uh, substituting for Ken Womack, this time out, Mean Mr. Mayo. We call him Joe here. Mean Mr. Mayo has a very popular YouTube channel, talks about the Beatles all the time, has a lot of fans. He's bringing over here. Thank you very much, Joe. And uh, also talks a lot about movies, you know, on YouTube as well. Welcome to the show, Joe. Thank you very much, Ken. Hello there, Kit. Uh, The Sun Queen, as I like to call you. And uh, hello there, Tom. How you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks, buddy. Great. You've got to get more nicknames for Kit with every show. Yeah. I know. <laughs> getting more I come up with some yeah. more. Okay, I'll think of some. <laughs> and uh, oh, and Tom, you just got a compliment. It says Tom's album wall looks cool. Oh, thank you very much. Appreciate oh. that. Very nice. I'm also known for having the messiest room of all of us here. <laughs> and I'm going to get Joe and Tom to help fix up this place because it needs a lot of work. <laughs> all right. Yeah. I don't need to convince anybody. 
You don't want to see what's behind that that help sign that I have, do you? There's a reason why I put that up there at the end of the okay. thing of a right. But I love how I, I love how you have the stop and smell the roses stand up from yeah. the window right oh, yeah, behind sure. you. Yeah. Sure, it looks like he joined the village people. (laughs) (laughs) I get a lot of comments like that, you know. uh, Not that there's anything wrong with that. You need to bring him a little closer to you for the show. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) When we talk about the album one day, I'll have him standing right here. Perfect. Perfect. Very nice. Love seeing the Give My Regards to Broadstreet at the top there at the shelves, too. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. On the show tonight, we've got a very interesting topic called Mythbusters. And I guess for the most part, we'll talk about the solo careers and this aspect of it, although I'm opening up the doors if you want to throw Beatles stuff into yeah. as a group. But I'm sure through the years you've come across information that maybe you've doubted whether it's accurate or not. And we want to talk about that on the show tonight. Not only just stuff, whether it's accurate or inaccurate, but we'll also talk about things that are really and this could even be more common, unsubstantiated. And that's something that's very important to me because I've been doing radio shows on the Beatles since 1982. The most important thing to me is to give accurate information on the Beatles. It's very hard to do that week after week when you're Mm -hmm. relying on books, which have some inaccuracies. And now with the Internet being as big as it is, a lot of those inaccuracies and things that are not substantiated get spread like wildfire. So because of that, this is a very important topic for me to cover. I want you guys watching to add whatever comments you have, maybe some things you want to bring up that fit that category, and maybe we'll tackle that. Before we do that, we have the latest in Beatle News. Did one of you guys want to say something? Take it away. Oh, okay. (laughs) Good one. First of all, Very important. I hope everyone watching knows tonight, Paul McCartney is on Stephen Colbert's show. Show airs at 1130. And uh, I'm guessing, well, he's got a lot of stuff to promote right now. (laughs) Hey, Grand Dude, his new children's book. There's also the Linda McCartney book, The Polaroid Diaries, which we'll talk about in a moment. And uh, I don't know, some album called Abbey Road, (laughs) 50th anniversary coming out uh, this Friday, box set for that. So in addition to Paul being on Stephen Colbert, I have heard that Ringo will be on The Tonight Show sometime this week. I don't know which day, though. But it's not live. There's actually something that was pre-taped during the summer. It's a classroom instrument segment, Mm. which I'm sure Jimmy Fallon will get involved with, with Ringo. Not sure which day. It's supposed to be sometime this week. So don't forget Paul tonight and Ringo sometime this week on The Tonight Show. Paul on Stephen Colbert. So in a um, way, we're kind of opening for Paul. We're the opening yes, act. Yes, we are. <laughs> we, we planned it that way. Yes, exactly. Or for any late night show. Right. Well, that's right. Yeah. yeah. And since True. I just mentioned Ringo, his new album, What's My Name, which we've talked about here on the show, is due out October the 25th. It's coming out on CD, digitally, on vinyl, and limited edition blue vinyl. But the title track to What's My Name has come out. At least Universal has let it come out, and it's been on the internet. You can listen to it off YouTube. All you guys have heard the song. Yep. What do you think of Ringo's new song, What's My Name? We'll start with Tom. 
Well, it's um, I think it's a nice rocker. Um, the, the the two things that stood out uh, to me right away was the guitar playing by Colin Hay and Steve Lukather. I thought that was some of the heavier guitar playing I've heard on a Ringo track over the last uh, few years. I also love the uh, the harmonica by Warren Ham. I thought that was a nice touch with the uh, yeah. with, with, with for the song and. Um, you know, to have, uh, you know, Colin Hay write the song for Ringo, I, I, you know, I think this is, you know, a lot of nice, like a career retrospective of, of you know, of Ringo. And I, I think it's really nice of him to do something like that. I think this is probably one of only two songs that Ringo won't have a co-write on the album. Um, but, um, yeah, um, you know, I like the, he's, he's got the, you know, the out on the road thing going, you know, the peace and love thing going, uh, the vocals are, you know, okay, but, you know, again, the, uh, you know, it's, it's the, really the instrumentation for me on this track that I really enjoy the most. Mm. Okay, well put. Colin yeah. Hay, by the way, from what I understand, Ringo said that it was an older song that he had right. written. Right, right. And so, matter of fact, he wanted to play the song for him, and then when Ringo told him to bring it up, apparently he had lost the uh, the lyrics or the lyric sheet or whatever, and then found it like on the bottom of a pile in the drawer somewhere. Hmm. So I thought that was kind of funny, but uh, but yeah, I mean, because he's been uh, with uh, touring with Ringo since uh, what 2012 or 14 was it? When was the first one? It's around, right around that time. Around yeah. That. So yeah. yeah, he's been on several All Star Band tours, but uh, yeah. Um, really enjoyable song. It's kind yeah. of ironic that the lyrics really fit Ringo's life mm-hmm. and his career. Right. Yeah. Uh, everything's the same, and I'm still in the game. What's my right. name? What's so my name? <laughs> it could have been about Colin writing about himself, but it really works for Ringo. Works for Ringo, correct? Right. Yeah. Um. The only, well, the only one the other thing that probably I would have liked to have seen is when he does do "What's the Name," and then you know the the two backup singers do Ringo. I would have liked kind of like to have seen that kind of modified a little bit more just maybe you know a little louder or, or more backing vocals sing that part I, mm. you know kind of just like at a, at a live show you know make it feel more like you know you're at a live show so okay. that's my thoughts uh kit how about you you know i really enjoy it um i i think you know ringo sounds you know pretty energized i i think i mean he seems to have a lot of fun doing this song and why not because it, it is fun and and i think colin hay wrote it you know perfectly to suit him it may be an old you know older song but i i really think i mean the lyrics are are charming um and uh you know i i couldn't believe the number of comments and i'm i'm sure you guys saw this too um on the uh on the internet you know oh it's just you know it's it's just a lightweight thing. Well, yes, I mean it's nothing, you know, nothing brainy, but does it have to be? I mean, I I just think it's a fun rocker. I can absolutely see him playing this. This is probably going to be his opening song um, <laughs> during you know on his tours, and that's fine. Um, I I think it's fun. Gets the audience involved. Uh, as you said, Tom, love the guitar. Um, you know the and the harmonica. Um, it, it's just it's a great straightforward rocker. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, and it almost, you know, what, almost 80, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that's pretty damn good. And, uh, I really, it's, it just immediately, uh, grabbed me from the first time I heard it. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I haven't had that from Ringo for a while. So, uh, so again, nothing brainy. I know it's just fun, but as a, uh, to, uh, paraphrase Paul, what's wrong with that? 
I know. <laughs> so yeah, much, I, yeah. you know, so I, much I, of what Ringo does is lightweight, you know, mm-hmm. and and just fun. And what right. what is wrong with having that as you know most of the songs that you've done in your career? Right. What are we going to say, Tom? Yeah, I just like the fact that they did. Is there anything left? This. For, <laughs> yeah. I did like the fact that they did choose this for the opening uh, single, if you will. Same. You know, because I know there was reports that "Grow Old, me, Grow Old with Me" was going to be the opening yeah. single, but I'm kind of glad they switched it up. Yeah. Yeah. This is a better choice, first of all. Yeah, I think. I yeah. agree. I think okay. so. Okay. Some more from this from Joe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I don't know how much more there is to say. Everybody, everybody <laughs> kind of said what I was going to say. Uh, it took me a couple of listens, but only because, you know, when I listen to Ringo, I've said this before, uh, some people say it's not fair that I do this, but I say, well, it's Ringo. So I kind of expect kind of less. I just expect Ringo's charm, his personality, fun to come through you know, everything that we know Ringo is that we love about Ringo. Mm. And on that note, after a couple of listens, I started to really get into the song and I, I, I enjoy the song. I think it's fun. I know that's a cliche by now already, but nothing great. I'm not going to say it's a great song. I think it's, I think it's a fun signature song for Ringo being that that's always what he says at shows. What's my name. Mm-hmm. And I think it's going to be, Hopefully he'll do the song and play live, <laughs> and, and which he didn't play. You know, we know about "Give More Love," how he started and then stopped playing, mm-hmm. and it'll be a great audience reaction song. I think so. Right. I think to hear them, maybe the audience going "Ringo" in that part might be a good incentive. Hopefully Ringo's thinking like that. Right. Um, but you know, the song itself. I mean, it seems like the kind of other, you know, generic kind of rockers that fit Ringo. Like uh, you know, we're on the road again. From Give More Love, uh-huh. uh, Rory and the Hurricanes, yeah, from Postcards exactly. from Paradise. You know, I like it. You need an upbeat, yeah, go-go Ringo type of song. As I say, nothing that's going to uh, set the world on fire. It doesn't have to. Yeah. Mm. It doesn't have to. It's enjoyable. And I'm looking forward to the rest of the album, uh, especially that Grow Old With Me uh, redo. Yeah. Uh, I want to hear what, th- what that's going to sound like. And... Uh, I like the title of the for the album as well of Watch My mm-hmm. Name, and yeah. I, the cover has has a really cool pin of John Ringo's sporting a John Lennon pin, mm. and I think that's such a nice touch. Although you know, a lot of people were joking, is it going to be another thing of Ringo with the peace sign? Yes, it is, but I do <laughs> like I do like the John uh, button, and I also like the color scheme. I think it's nice, yeah. so it, it, it's eye catching, and, and and so far I'm, I'm really psyched for it. Okay. Yeah, I, yeah too. I, I like the song as well. It's upbeat. It's got a lot of energy, as you guys have said. I love the guitar playing, which I believe is Steve Lukather yeah. Uh, yeah. playing there. It certainly sounds like Steve's guitar playing. I can right. I can never get enough of his playing when I see the band live, and uh, oh, it yeah. does remind me a lot of, like you said, Joe, a lot of um, you know the more generic Ringo songs of the last several albums. I love the crisp production. I love how his drums are mixed up hot. You know, yeah. and um, interesting drum fills, very much like we're on the road again to me, mm-hmm. which is the song I've said here. I don't know why they didn't do live. <laughs> I mean, we're on the road again. Steve yeah. Lukather co-wrote the song. He's in the band. So, you know, since Ringo always does that shtick, what's my name? I can't imagine him not doing this song live. Yeah. He really should. But um, the only thing I, I'm not happy about i'm not a big fan of when vocals are pushed back mm. and ringo's oh, yes. vocals sound like they're distant and i'm not crazy about that yeah but i like the song and it's catchy and it works you know yeah i mean let's just hope that this is not more 
uh, you know, more of the same on the album with those vocals. Uh, you know, hopefully it's just the one track um, because I, I, I did feel the same way where the, where the vocals may have been a little pushed back. So mm. let's, you know, hope it's not, it won't turn into a trend. Um, That's true. True. Or, you know, so. yeah. Okay. Other news yeah. here. And since we're talking about Ringo, he's taken part in a new recording of the classic song from the band, The Weight. As part of the Playing for Change campaign, this is a group that is dedicated to break down the boundaries and overcome distances between people. That includes 15 music schools across 11 countries, making documentaries and viral videos, bringing artists from different cultures together. This project was a year and a half in the making. It wow. has Robbie Robertson from the band playing on it, along with musicians from all over the world from five different countries. I mean, sorry, five different continents. Yeah. And the video was made in which Ringo actually introduces the song by asking Robbie on his cell phone, <laughs> um, what key is this in? Like that matters for a drummer. <laughs> right. What key is this in? And then he says, F demented. <laughs> so uh, if you want to find out more about this organization and watch the video, you can go to playingforchange.com. Okay. Um, it was a very big reunion of sorts to celebrate the launch of the new Linda McCartney photo book, which is called Linda McCartney, the Polaroid Diaries from Tashin Books. This was at the Victoria and Albert Museum in London. On hand was Paul with daughters Mary and Stella. James was there, and so was uh, Nancy, his wife, although they weren't photographed, James and Nancy. Ringo Starr and Barbara Bach and Olivia Harrison. Mm-hmm. Okay, they were all there to celebrate this book. Chrissy Hine was there as well as Twiggy. Mm-hmm. After a private cocktail reception, Paul, Mary, and Stella joined 275 Victoria and Albert members for a conversation about the book. And Linda's photographic work was moderated by critic and author Ikao Ishan. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. This was followed by a book signing in the Silver Galleries of the Museum. Paul, Mary, and Stella were interviewed for a TV program called Newsnight, which aired on the BBC World News Cable Channel, and uh, all to promote the new Linda McCartney book. Something really interesting that I found out just a few days ago on Facebook, there is an off-Broadway show currently running through September 28th, and it's called Only Yesterday. Now, the play is based on snippets of an interview that Terry Gross conducted with Paul McCartney on NPR for her show Fresh Air back in 2001, in which Paul talked about his tribute song for John here today. And in particular, the part in the song where Paul sings, What About the Night We Cried?, because there wasn't any reason left to keep it all inside. A few times Paul has talked about the story of how, during the group's 1964 U.S. tour, they had to make an unexpected stop in Key West, Florida, on their way to their show in Jacksonville, and it was delayed because of Hurricane Dora. Apparently, in their hotel room, John and Paul did a lot of talking about their lives and career, about fame and loss and grief. So this play, apparently, is all about that. Hmm. Bob Stevens is the producer of this play, and he is no stranger to nostalgia, having served as a producer and writer for the TV show The Wonder Years. It's um, it's running at 59 East 59th Street Theaters 
And uh, this is running, as I said, through September the 28th. Again, it's called Only Yesterday. If you're interested, you can call this number. It's 212-279-4200. 212-279-4200. I also wanted to mention, since we talked about Peter Frampton in the last show, um, he's been doing his farewell tour, and he's been closing his show with While My Guitar Gently Weeps for his encore. And I also mentioned that as he leaves the stage, they play I'll, I'll See You in My Dreams, uh, Joe Brown's recording of that, which was from the concert for George. Well, I also wanted to say that at uh, Peter's show in Dallas, Texas, which was last Friday, he performed Wama Guitar Gently Weeps, and joining him on stage... Clapton. Wow. Oh, Eric nice. Clapton to wow. do the song. Formerly so, known as God. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, imagine two of the greatest guitarists on stage working on that song together. Lucky now, crowd. Yes. Yeah. Um, I want to mention one more thing. Of course, we know that last weekend we suffered the deaths of two big rock stars with any money and Rick Ocasek from the cars. Kind of ironic, guys. We were mm. talking about people we wanted to see in Ringo's All-Star Band. Yeah. Rick Ocasek yes. was yeah. one of yeah. the names that we brought yeah, up here. Yeah, I, I thought of him, yeah. And I really, it really hit me hard. I don't know. Yeah, maybe because it's when I grew up and I was going to clubs and things and during that period, my late teens, early 20s. I've been playing the, the Cars hits for, like, for over a week or whatever now, oh. just constantly playing it. So it's really, really affected, really affected me, especially with Rick Kasich. Yeah. I, I agree, Joe. Yeah, that one it it hit me. I mean, I felt terrible for Eddie Money too. Oh, um, sure, sure. But uh, but yeah, Rick Ocasek. I mean, I grew up on on the cars, and Tom and I were yeah. you know, talking a little bit about it. Summer of '84, I think it MTV, was. MTV, yeah, MTV. Mm. Cars were all over the place with that, and, you know, and Magic yeah. and Shake It Up. Yep. It was you know I mean, on the radio was- every hour, nonstop. Exactly. So it's really, uh, yeah, I, I agree that that one hit me yeah. particularly hard. Yeah, like you know, yeah. and their and their and their careers of their or their heyday, where their most popular years were pretty much the same. You know, seventy eight, seventy, seventy seven, seventy eight, all the way up until like you know the mid eighties, eighty six, eighty seven. So they had their their careers pretty much mirrored each other with you know with hit potentials and yeah. stuff like that. So yeah, their albums are really strong, and in particular, their first few. First album, mm-hmm. I think, is one of the greatest debut albums ever for many um, artists. Right up there with Boston. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. But I want to bring up The Cars and Rick Ocasek um, because one particular Cars song, My Best Friend's Girl, was actually influenced by a Beatles song in some way. Because if you listen to the song when Rick sings um, She Used to Be Mine, then you hear this guitar line being played. And that was actually taken, well, partly, it's not exactly the same, from the Beatles' I Will, Mm. if you listen to the two of them together. I know that members of the band have said that Mm. before. So, um, And also, Greg Hawks of the Cars got to work with Paul McCartney. He was on Flowers of the Dirt on Motor of Love. Mm. And Paul actually said to Greg, as I interviewed Greg about this, that Paul wanted... Great to come up with a sound that was similar in in style and in sound to the car's drive. Mm. Okay. So yeah. um, think about that when you listen to Motor of Love. Yeah. Just That's another that, amazing song. Too. Yes. Yeah. 
Yeah. That'll drive could... better, I think. Yeah. <laughs> sorry, Paul. <laughs> no, it's sorry, funny sorry, too, Ken. Uh, yeah. <laughs> sorry, Ken. I love how I, right. I remember um, when, you know, reading um, later on after the Cars heyday, um, they would um, both of them, both him and uh, I think Bob Orr was the guy's name. Was it ben Orr? Orr. Ben yeah, thank you. Yeah, yeah they would they yeah. would both yeah they would both sing lead vocals and whoever's came out you know the better they that's who that's what they when when they decided who would get the lead vocal. Yeah. And they're similar. They sound kind of similar. A lot of people yeah, no have yeah. difficulty telling one from the other. I've heard. Um, mm-hmm. Certainly to be able to tell, but I remember <laughs> for myself for a while. I, said, I thought Rick sang so many of the songs, and, right? And Rick, Rick uh, you know, the Ben's majority of the yeah. hits. Right, but but Ben sang "Drive" and he also sang "Just What I Needed," and yeah, he's gone yeah, too. He passed away yeah. quite a while ago. Yeah, but at least it's a good thing they made the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame while Rick oh, was still. Yeah. Oh, that's great! Yeah, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay, before we get to our main topic of myth busting, just want to remind everybody, uh, Kit, if you want to tell everyone about the uh, the symposium for yeah. Abbey Road, which is coming up this weekend. Yes, indeed. I'm going to be leaving Thursday, and uh, it's going to be at um, University of Rochester. It's at the Eastman School of Music. Uh, starts this Friday um, and goes through Sunday. Uh, going to be a lot of speakers there, uh, and uh, uh, Ken Womack will be there. Uh, Ken Townsend, who I'm really, really hoping to meet. Um, mm. You know, that's, that'd be a thrill. Um, Andy Babuk and a number of, of leading Beatles scholars. It's it's going to be a, a great, a great time I'm presenting. I'm uh, presenting Friday afternoon, so I can then kick back the rest of the weekend and just soak all this in, which is kind of nice. But no, right. I'm looking forward to it. You mean so. you're not going to have your usual hectic schedule like all the, uh, the Fest for Beatles fans? No, or? nope. I'm just mm. presenting Friday, and then, uh, then yeah, I just get to to enjoy the rest of it, which Good I for you. fully plan on doing. Awesome. So, okay. Yep. So uh, yes, I'm going to be presenting on Oh Darling, okay. and particularly, and I, I'm not going to explain it on here partially because we don't have time, and partially because I want to keep everyone in suspense. Uh, how <laughs> it uh, how it owes a debt to a genre called swamp pop. So uh, after after the conference, I'll you know talk a little bit more about it. But okay. that's going to be my presentation. So Friday, so so you can still get tickets. As far as I know, you can go uh, to the uh, website. I'll put it up on our page and uh, hope uh, hope you can join us for a, for what should be a fascinating weekend. Excellent. Yeah, I, I'm sure that uh, either our next show or within our next few shows, we're going to have to be doing something about Abbey Road with the new release coming out, so maybe we'll mix in part of that in the conversation. Yeah, that'd be great. Right on. Okay, so as I said, our main topic on the show tonight is myth-busting, talking about things we've heard about through the years that are inaccurate, or as I said before, unsubstantiated. Uh, since I've been doing so much of the yak in here, maybe I'll let somebody else start. Uh, we, we've all picked like two or three uh, examples of those that are important to us to discuss. Uh, why don't we start with you, Joe? All right. Um, let's see now. Uh, I have a few. Uh, keeping it right now for the solo, although I have also have a Beatles one. Uh, you mentioned, Ken, you know, how, uh, especially with social media, 
all these kind of rumors and gossipy things. Gossip, mm. gossip, uh, <laughs> spreads like wild, wildfire. And uh, I noticed that being on the internet, on YouTube a lot, you know, and Facebook and whatnot. But one of the things that always gets under my skin that's really, I don't think, in my opinion, really that accurate, is this new myth, fairly new myth, that's been on the internet, that the Double Fantasy album by John and Yoko was largely a, a fraud with them trying to pr- uh, portray themselves as the Romeo and Juliet of the 20th century. Uh, and a lot of this I've heard even from, I don't want to mention names, uh, Fred Seaman, uh, and, uh, <laughs> you know, some, some other, I didn't mention a name, no, but that's where a lot of it started from. And he was there, you know, with John as an assistant and everything, but did he listen to the album? Because my argument about that is that there are songs on the album that make it clear that they're struggling and having some problems. Mm-hmm. Now, I know that uh, before I get to that, you know, of course, John and Yoko, we know they had did their, we might call self-indulgent film, 71 or 72, the Imagine uh, film of, of the album, really, where that's kind of them, you know, playing it up self-indulgently and stuff like that. But, I mean, we know that in 73, 4, you know, they split. Um they didn't have a perfect marriage, you know. They made it, they couldn't help but have it public that they were apart and having their difficulties. Uh, and then on the Double Fantasy album itself, I have uh, some uh, songs here like "I'm Losing You," of course, with John saying lines like, uh, "You know, I feel you slipping away. I know I hurt you then, but hell, that was way back when. Do you still have to carry that cross? <laughs> Ain't no doubt about it. I'm losing you." You know, he's having difficulties there with uh, the relationship. And Yoko, of course, the response, which I love, maybe one of my, I always say one of my, being kind, maybe my favorite song, okay? I said it on the album. <laughs> I'm moving on. <laughs> I don't know what it is. I remember the first time I heard that on the radio. I, I turned it on. I never heard anything from Double Fantasy in 1980. They were just playing it on the radio. And I caught the end of John's I'm losing you and then it did that kind of segue into I'm moving on I thought this is so great and she say you know I'm moving on we're getting phony it's getting mm-hmm. phony like the whole thing not exactly that thrilled you know uh, even in the song just like starting over uh, it's a hankering say you know it's been so long since we took the time you know and it's like uh, you know but when I see you darling it's like we both are falling in love again it'll be just like starting over and lines like, you know, uh, like we used to in the early days. I mean, mm-hmm. this doesn't sound like, you know, they're 100% thrilled all the time. Uh, like they're trying to portray themselves as this always happy, perfect couple, which is a lot of the myth that I seem to, to hear that, you know, this was a, a, a fake album. And I don't think John personally really did that anyway. I think he wore his heart on his sleeve. If he was miserable, he'll tell you, you know, straight how miserable he he was. Mm-hmm. Uh, if he's happy, he'll tell you that too. But uh, I, I, that's basically what I'm what I'm what I'm saying with this particular uh, subject. Not so much that I'm saying that they put on a show for, for the public trying to trying to you know disclaim that. I'm just saying the album itself. I don't believe was made to look like this perfect uh, marriage. 
I think in interviews, John said, I think one of the last interviews, I keep getting the RKO interview mixed up with BBC interview with Andy Peebles. But he said, you know, we have to work on this. It's like a plant. You have to water it, keep the flies off, mm-hmm. you know, uh, nurture it, a relationship like this. I don't see any pretense that they, you know everything's hunky-dory a thousand percent of the time. But that's a lot of the stuff that I read on the Internet uh, of late. You know, people seem to think that they were just a bunch of couple of phonies just uh, trying to make you look like they were so perfect and in love all the time. Maybe in the earlier days, maybe, you know, the Imagine, uh, I don't know what to call it, Imagine film. I don't want to get it mixed up with the Andrew Salt documentary, right, right, but right. you know the one I mean, yeah. uh, the album. Mm-hmm. So, that's, so that's my uh, top okay. one that I have for tonight. Yeah, and- and oh, just saying, there there's some comments here that people uh, are leaving, saying that uh, uh, Yoko was having an affair and she was going to leave him, and they were going to divorce. Uh, you know, I I mean, that's another myth. Yeah, I, I <laughs> well, who mean, knows? Yeah, who knows? I don't know. You know, who knows? Sam Habitoy. Yeah, mm. exactly. You hear uh-huh. that stuff, and May Pang that that John was still seeing her, and you know, yeah. I mean, I don't sure. know. Yeah, that's one myth I don't think she wants we'll to believe that be, be able to, to bust <laughs> exactly, you know, but but I completely agree with you, Joe. I think, you know, if you really listen to that album, it's not all sunshine and unicorn. Yeah. And that's a pretty that's a pretty, pretty good trick, too, for uh, Yoko to evade all mass mass photography and uh, paparazzi with Sam uh, for 40 years. That's pretty, mm-hmm. pretty mm-hmm. good. Pretty good. <laughs> some really, some really good points you made there, Joe. This brutal honesty on mm. Double Fantasy from both John and Yoko. Yeah, you know, and you can talk yeah. all you want about John's life and what it, what might have happened. All that we do know is this is what happened at the end, and John chose to be with Yoko. He chose to make that album. We know that he had plans of releasing Milk and Honey and going on tour with Yoko. That's all that we know. But that's the truth. We can't really, you know, you can listen to other people who are insiders. You don't know if they have any motive behind what they're saying, you know, but John chose to do what he wanted to do. He was his own man. And he presented him and Yoko as a couple. And that's where he wanted to be at that point in his life. Who knows what might have happened years later? He might have made solo albums without Yoko. Yeah, we don't don't know. We don't know. None of us knows. It's all speculation. And maybe, maybe uh, she was getting rid of. To be fair, I mean, we, I don't. I'm not. I don't know for sure. Maybe she was thinking about it as I'm moving on, and she wanted to end it with John. I don't know. You know, yeah. split up. I don't know. You know, uh, speculation. Yeah. <laughs> Plenty of that around. And, and that's a really good point you made, Ken, about you know the ulterior motives, because that mm-hmm. that is something that is is hard to determine when you read different accounts. That spite, access to grind, yeah, right, like that exactly, possibly. exactly. And so you know, who who do you not to sound paranoid, but who do you trust? I mean, yeah. <laughs> right. it's, uh, you know, it's really uh, hard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, Tom. How about you next? Yeah, cool. Well, let's uh, let's continue with uh, John and Yoko, if we will. Um, you know, we know that uh, they had their what eighteen month separation. John's you know lost weekend, if you will, and you know some of the books that I've read in the past. You know, you know, starting with this one, this was mm-hmm. the very first Beatles related book I've ever owned. I remember seeing the movie and whatnot in the theaters, and you know. The part, the myth that I want to talk about is, is how they got back together, because a lot of it is pretty much 
just this painted picture where you see the photography or the photo of them. You know, they're backstage at the Elton John concert, and then all of a sudden, a couple weeks or months later, they're they're living together again, and and you know, and uh, that's not necessarily true. So, and then you know, another book goes a little farther. The, well, the, well, uh, the he Golden moved back. I'm sorry. He moved back with Yoko in January, I think, of '75. Right. right? Yeah. So, so, but still, he had to work on it, getting back mm-hmm. and start, you know, regain her trust right. and everything. But and see, and that's and this Golden book talks about a little bit more about how he would go to her place and you know send her flowers, and you know read her lyrics, the songs that he wrote, like something like you know he went over to uh, you know Dakota and and read her the the song "Bless You," and they had a really you know nice you know moment together. And you know, and she Yoko had said that she almost gave up and gave or said gave in and let him in back then, but no, she wanted him to you know continue you know working on that. So, but the the part that isn't known is the part that Paul McCartney takes in. The fact that it was Paul that, you know, had the, the visit with, or Yoko went to go visit Paul and Linda in London, and they talked about, you know, their issues, and Paul offered his assistance to Yoko. Hey, do you want me to go, you know, see John, see if I can, you know, do anything for you and, you know, get him on the right track again? And and that's what he did. He confronted John, had a private conversation, and, you know, uh you know, Paul told him get his head out of his ass and you know get back to the, you know to the woman that you that you say that you're in love with and you're continuing to write these songs about even though they're they're you know separated at the time and you know so he you know he finally did it and then uh, you know and uh, it's something that Yoko didn't I don't think she admitted to until I think 2010 during um John's uh, 70th birthday celebration I think that's when she finally came forward and admitted that it was Paul who was influential and in those two getting back together. Okay. Well, I mean if I may John I I would think John would jump at the chance. I thought it was Yoko was the one, you know, you're not ready, you're not ready, you know, you know, she was the one. Well, you know, she that wanted was, yeah, well she wanted him to more or less, you know, kiss her butt for for a while you know and you know and you know get the flowers kiss, kiss, and, kiss. yeah exactly you know <laughs> sorry and you know, that's fine and you know and, and and that's what he did i mean he did the work you know he put the work into it and you know he he uh you know proved that you know he still loved her and was very much in love with her so mm. you know kudos to to lennon for doing that and kudos for paul for stepping in and and helping his 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 old friend out okay some very good points being made here, but mm-hmm. we all know that when John was away from Yoko, even though he was extremely active musically, yep. very productive, yep. but at the same time, he could have been miserable being mm-hmm. away from Yoko, and you hear so many accounts of that. Right. That's what I said. You know, yeah. um, I do think it's somewhat of a myth that he was drunk all the time, which sometimes <laughs> gets portrayed, because, right. and this is also May Pang's words, which I, I tend to believe in this regard, you can't be drunk all the time and produce all that John did. <laughs> mm, right. You know, whether it's walls and bridges, rock and roll, even though there's a bootleg of John being drunk yeah. in the studio during rock and roll, you know, working Carly with Simon. Yeah. Working with uh, Carly Simon. Yeah. Um, <laughs> about Carly Simon something. David Bowie, Elton John, mm. Harry Nilsson. Yeah. You know, um, you, you can't right. do all that work and be drunk all the time. So he he could still be productive while being unhappy for the most part. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, 
But it was evidently important for him to get back with Yoko, and that's exactly what he did. Yeah. So, yeah. All right, Kit, how about you next? Well, I'll tell you, I, well, we'll stay with John. Roy, he's, he's poor John. He was a victim of a lot of this, these myths going around. But um, there's, you know, one thing that really grinds my gears are the, the <laughs> misattributed quotes. Um, you know, hmm. you see them on, I mean, of course, it's nothing new. But on Facebook and social media, it's just worse because, you know, somebody will post a, a photo of a you know picture of, of the person and then this beautiful quote next to them and it all looks so official and right. you know, and uh, half the time it's, it's not true at all and one of the quotes I have seen this so many times is uh, this quote that John supposedly said when I was five years old my mother always told me that happiness was the key to life when I went to school they asked me what I wanted to be when I grew up I wrote down happy they told me I didn't understand the assignment, and I told them they didn't understand life. Mm. Now, that's a nice quote. <laughs> I mean, that's a nice thought, um, but I haven't found a, a shred of evidence that yeah. ever said that. You know, and uh, that that just you know, you see things like that. And I have a feeling another quote is going to turn up in this uh, in this episode that or misunderstood. Yeah, but I I just think you know it's so important to um, you know research these things, look it up. That certainly is nothing inflammatory or anything, but it just I have seen this pass yeah. around for years, you know, yeah. years and years. And, um, yeah, I mean, there is zero evidence that he ever said it. So, um, you know, it's, it just, again, it just shows you have to do, do your homework, you know, and mm-hmm. don't, don't automatically think that just because the, the quote appears on, uh, you know, with a nice photo and a beautiful thing on Facebook, that it's true. Although I do like that. I like that quote. It's a beautiful say it. quote. <laughs> that quote. Absolutely. But, uh, but, you know, but when you read it, yeah. you think, does that really sound like something John said? I know he did say, we, and I think we all talked about this before, he did say something like, I was a genius and people didn't recognize it. Yeah, he said that. Yeah. Yeah. And that's been documented. Yeah. I mean, that I believe. You know, that's that's fine. But um, my friend Karen said, but isn't everything on the Internet true? Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Of course. Now, I think one of you guys wanted to bring up the quote from John that always gets spread around. Um, Was Ringo a good drummer? Oh, yes. John apparently said he wasn't even the best drummer in the Beatles. And that's been proven (laughs) to be false. Right, I don't yeah. remember who actually said it, but it was a comedian in the past. Yeah, uh, and Jasper Jasper Carrot. Okay, thank you, John. Uh, I think Mark Lewison uh, uncovered that. If I'm not if I'm not mistaken, he 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 helped with that. There was it was a quote in the London Times or something about that. Uh, totally, John said that, and you know he and he was looking around and said, you know, because Mark, let's face it, he's the master historian, and he, if there's a, a source, he's heard everything, you know, he or read everything. Right. He hadn't come across it anywhere, and I thought that I, that I had read it. Maybe somebody can ask him next time we speak to him. I, I'm pretty pretty sure that he helped uncover that several years ago. Uh, that uh, you know, this comes from this comedian, Jasper Carrot. 
uh, who who actually uh, I'm reading some notes here that I took confirmed that he, that he wrote the line. Mm, uh, okay, you know, it's a clever line. I, I you could see John's wit saying it, uh-huh. but he didn't say it. He had nothing but respect for Ringo. I mean, he always had respect for Ringo's drumming. Uh, there are certain quotes he, that you read on, on Facebook or whatever, and they sound like something John could have said. Yes. You know, if you know John's wit, you know, uh, and and you could believe it. But yeah. not everybody that posts these things does do the research. Well, and the reason like, why you, know, you, you think something like that might be true is because of high, how highly John speaks of Paul as a musician throughout, you mm. know, his living years, you know, from, you know, say 62 to up, in, up to 80. I mean, he could be very negative about Paul, but he can also be very positive, you know, about Paul as a, as a musician. Yeah. He defended it, Paul's bass playing too. Yeah. Yeah. He, said, he said it's underrated, uh, uh, yeah. you know, Ringo's mm-hmm. drumming and Paul's bass playing. Right. The Beatles tend to take the approach that they can be critical of each other, but right. if you're yes. critical, if someone else is critical of them, then they defend yeah. each other. Yeah, exactly. So, like that. Uh, yes. <laughs> yeah. So, right, is there Ken, another one you, you want to bring up? Okay. I want to bring up a couple on Ringo, and I think mm-hmm. I'm going to get a lot of heat on this. <laughs> oh, get ready, everybody. <laughs> it has to do with Ringo's first two big hits in his wow. solo career. It don't come easy. And back off Boogaloo. Now, with It Don't Come Easy, this was a major hit, top 10 hit in the U.S., top 10 hit many parts of the world. When the record came out, it was listed as being rich, uh, written by Richard Starkey, solely by Ringo. And several years back now, there was a bootleg that came out with George singing the lead vocal, doing a guide vocal. And ever since then, people have put together that George wrote the song. Mm. Now, there's no doubt about it. George has his fingerprints on this record. He produced it. He played guitar on it. Did the lead guitar solo on it. But Ringo has said in recent years that they co-wrote the song together. And he said on stage that he, Ringo, wrote most of the song. And George wrote a verse and a bridge. So that's still a significant part of the song. But mm-hmm. there are people now spreading it on the internet that George wrote the song. And in fact, I was listening about a year ago to the radio. There was an oldie show on. Is a syndicated radio show that had a few hundred stations that broadcast it. The DJ played at Don't Come Easy, came out of it and said, you know, for many years it was written that that song was written completely by Ringo, when in fact it was written by George Harrison. Mm. Not George and Ringo. Right. Just George Harrison. Yep. So it's exploded into this myth that it's completely George's song and um, or that George wrote most of the song. But you know something, folks? When it comes to the Beatles, not that everything that they've said is going to be accurate. They're human like the rest of us, I don't expect them to remember everything that happened in their history day by day, what happened. That's why you have the Mark Lewisons of this world or Ken Womack that do the research on that. But when it comes to their own songs, especially their own compositions, I trust what they have to say. And on this point, I also want to make this comparison here. When you think about all the songs that are Lennon-McCartney songs, 
there are over 200 of those. And not only are there so many, they wrote them in a fairly short period of time. And yet, if you were to take a look at what John and Paul said about the songs they wrote together, they hardly ever contradict each other, except for Eleanor Rigby and In My Life. You know, you had John's comments in Playboy. You had many years from now, the book from Paul. There's hardly any time when they dispute each other. That's extraordinary. In Ringo, before It Don't Come Easy, he only had Don't Pass Me By and Octopus's Garden as songs that he wrote. You'd think he remember everything about (laughs) It Don't Come Easy. He doesn't have this backlog to remember. So I would trust Ringo's judgment on this. Yeah, and, I mean, you know, go ahead. I'm saying George's contribution was very significant to it. Don't come easy. There's no doubt about it. But who are you going to believe? The actual artist who made the record, or a fan who thinks otherwise, or going yeah. by their gut reaction? Yeah, you know? I mean, after all this time, you know, George and Ringo were so close that I don't think Ringo would have any problem admitting that, you know, after years and years or whatnot, that, yeah, it was George that wrote this song Mm -hmm. and he just gave me the credit, you know, because as a gift or because it was my first solo single or second or whatever. So, I mean, if that was the case, I could, I could believe that, but I mean, he is still pretty, you know, standing firm on the fact that, I mean, this, that is his song. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, Ringo, George never complained about the fact that, it went out as being solely a, a Ringo star composition. It was evidently the two of them made an agreement, you know, and it didn't matter to George whether he got a co-write or not. And then probably that way Ringo would make more money off the record. He would get a songwriting royalty as well as making money off the sales of the record. Okay. That was an agreement. Just like John and Paul made an agreement for right. Lennon McCartney songs. There are yeah. songs written entirely by John that Paul has part credit for songs that Paul wrote entirely that John has credit for. But, you know, there are some fans that are actually saying on the internet that it's definitely George's song. It's George's gift to Ringo. Mm-hmm. You know? And, um, you know, part of the reason, like I said, is because, you know, Ringo only had a couple songs before that. Could he possibly write a song this good as it don't come easy? But, you know, Ringo has consistently been talking about this and he's also said and this is another thing that he says consistently throughout his career. He's good at starting songs right. when he writes them. He needs help finishing them. Mm-hmm. So George helped finish it. But at the same time, no doubt about it, his sound, George's sound is all over the record. you got to give George a lot of credit. But as a composition, it's mainly Ringo's song. Mm-hmm. Good point from Marvin G. Octopus's Garden yes. was also written by Ringo with George's help. It's believed that George did help write the song. How much? We don't know. Yep. That was I'll okay. tell you, that was a good a good team there at the early seventies. It's too bad that <laughs> you know that hit making potential didn't continue, you know, throughout the seventies and eighties because you know yes. between you know Ringo's singing and, and the lyrics and George's guitar playing, I mean those are some great catchy songs. Yeah. This look might at, be a look good at topic. photograph. Oops, yeah. I was just going to mention photograph. That's what I was yeah. going to say. Is it credited as uh, Starkey Harrison? Them? 
You know, maybe you've seen this interview. I don't know. It's not one I've seen very often, but I know I have it. It's with Ringo. I want to say it's from 76 when he's promoting Roto-Gravure. It's it's in the back. It looks like a backyard or something. And he's holding up the uh, artwork that's going to be the cover of, I think, Roto-Gravure. And whoever the interviewer is, you don't see him on camera. Uh, He's kind of calling Ringo's early, some of the earlier stuff up to that point, kind of schmaltzy. Uh, and Ringo says, well, this new album is going to be more schmaltz that you won't like, you know, <laughs> or something like that. But I remember him saying, I don't know how Photograph came up or something, but he says, that, and Ringo was like, man, that's the best song I, I ever wrote. What are you talking about? So that's a great song. The best song I ever wrote. I remember him saying that, you know, in that particular, I don't know if anybody's seen it. I have it on a, a compilation video of different, uh, Ringo stuff, uh, and I remember him saying that, and he's, you know, he's almost like he said that I ever wrote, even though obviously written with George, but uh-huh. loosely he said that. I mean, he's just speaking loosely. He doesn't mean literally I wrote the song. Right. right. I remember him saying that. Don't slag all that off, man. That's the greatest song I ever wrote. You know, he's like stroking yeah. his beard. Yeah. Harry <laughs> Benson, one of our our viewers, uh, wrote in with, "Didn't George sue Ringo over a song?" Yeah. And uh, yes, it was a mix. Yes. Yes. It was the song I'll Still Love You, which right. is on Ringo's Rotogravure. And I don't know what the problem was, why George... I was think it mix. was... It was the mix. I think that's said what that, it was. Yeah, they, yeah. yeah. They talked about that on the uh, that great show that everybody really... See, the uh, Aspel, uh, yeah. okay. Aspel and Company show in 1988 when George and Ringo both appeared. It's If you yeah. haven't seen that, I'm telling you, it's one of the best moments in all Beatles history. Yeah. George and Ringo together as guests. Yeah. It's on YouTube, so you can uh, find it there. Okay. So George didn't like the mix on that song. Yes, right. apparently that's what they were. La- they had a good, laugh- good natured laugh about it yeah. in retrospect. You know, they were most embarrassed, laugh- laughing embarrassingly together. You know, as friends. Seems strange. He certainly didn't like the mix. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait, one of our our astute viewers here, Greg Swanson, Uh-oh. the I think the interview we're talking about uh, with Ringo was on the Australian TV show. Oh. Uh, Flesh, fleshes or something okay. in there. <laughs> uh, in L.A., June 76. All right. Thanks, Thank Greg. You, Greg. Thank you. Yep, we have we have smart, you, Greg. smart viewers and listeners. We're learning from you guys, too. That's yeah. for sure. <laughs> sure. Um, the other Ringo song I wanted to bring up was Back Off Boogaloo. <laughs> because, yeah, yeah. And we've gotten a lot of questions about that. <laughs> yeah. uh, definitely, definitely. There's not much to say about it, but you know, even when I started out doing Beatles shows in the in the eighties, there were books that came out that said the song was about Paul. Yeah. And um for one line. <laughs> well, yeah. actually a couple of lines in a way, uh, because um get yourself one? together now and give yourself some tasty, tasty everything you know, try to do, you know it sure sounds wasted. Well, that good. was like the critics at the time. <laughs> being super critical of Paul, saying that his mm. music was very lightweight, it was fluff, it didn't go anywhere, not enough effort being put behind it. And then there's the wake up meathead, don't pretend that you were dead, mm. alluding to the Paul is dead rumor. But my point is in this that Ringo has never said the song was about Paul. Right. You can believe it all you want. You can say, I interpret it as being about Paul, but you can't say it as a fact. Right. And the other thing that I want to bring up about this is that I don't think Ringo would ever write lyrics like that that are so obvious about his friend. <laughs> yeah. When we did our show the last time talking about our favorite song lyrics that I brought up early 1970, there's a line in there because each verse 
He's talking about each of the uh, the Beatles. He right. says about Paul, I wonder if he'll play with me. Right. That's that's Ringo. That's tongue in cheek. It's not, you know, attacking his friend and making it so obvious. I don't think that Ringo would do that. Now, it is possible. I can't swear that it's not mm-hmm. about Paul, but it's unsubstantiated. You can't say it as a fact. Right. You know? Right. Yeah. Well, what he said was on the VH1 storytellers. You've seen, I'm sure you've yeah. seen that. He, yeah. he talks about oh, Mark Boland used to say that kind right. of thing all the time. Boogaloo, boogaloo, boogaloo. Back over, right, or whatever. That's or where he got like the. That. Uh, that's where he got the, the title word. Well, yeah. You know? And uh, I mean, like like Ken said, I mean, Ken, do we know for a fact? No, but I mean, uh, I tend to think, and I think you might agree that a lot of times. The fans put too much into that. They want a lot of these songs to be about the other Beatles. They think, oh, yes. you know, the, the Beatles are thinking of ex Beatles are thinking of the others all the time and writing about them all the time. Do you think this is about Paul? I think this is about George. I think he meant Ringo when he was t- doing this song. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I think I, in your in your dreams, I think, but I don't think all the time it was uh, open messages to the other Beatles all the time, like they. Went around twenty four seven, rehashing old school days all the time. You know, I just some fans must think that the only relationships that the Beatles have are with each other, each other, <laughs> and the only <laughs> yeah, people right. they That's write true. about are each other. And I got to tell you, here's a case in point: when when the song "Tug of War" came out, I actually thought Paul was writing a bit about John there. Hmm. Mm-hmm. But with one thing okay. and another, we were trying to outscore each other in a tug of war. The competitiveness between the two of them, I might believe it, but I'm sure not going to say it's a fact. Right. I'm not going to present it as a fact. Right. There, right. There's songs like that where you think, you know, like, um, <laughs> I will tell you, writing to Vanity Fair, mm-hmm. I strongly believe right. is about Heather Mills. But unless I Paul so. actually says it, you can't really say for sure yeah. that it was. But right. I truly believe that it was, yeah. you know. And That's then, another. No, go ahead. So. Yeah, we can talk about Three Legs, yeah. which has been written up as Paul writing about the other Beatles. He's never said it was. Right. Right. But all mm-hmm. of a sudden, it gets this reputation as being an attack on the other Beatles. And that's also because it happened during that Ram and Imagine period where John and Paul were writing to each other somewhat, you know, and yep. John thought a lot of what Paul wrote was about him. And it's only in recent years that he even admitted that too many people yeah. was directed towards yeah, was, him yeah. and Yoko. Mm-hmm. But uh, John also thought that Dear Boy was written Dear Boy. about him. Yeah. 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 And yeah. Paul, Paul said that it was about Linda's first husband. Mm-hmm. Right. That you never know, Dear Boy, how much you missed. Yeah. You know, Don't you see what a great catch you have here? You're missing mm-hmm. out on it. You're losing out on it. That's, what, that's who that song was directed towards. It wasn't about John. Um, There's another story out there about that where Linda first approached John first as, you know, maybe a romantic, uh, you know, affair or whatnot. So that's why the the lyric, I I guess you never knew, dear boy, what you had found or what you had missed. Yes. Something like that, you know. As maybe a bit, you know. Because I've seen I've seen interviews where where Linda says she liked John, and Paul Mm -hmm. says she like John. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, there could be some truth to that. Mm-hmm. But yep. still, three yeah. legs. Yeah. Where is their proof? Yeah, right. no. you know, exactly. Paul never said it. When when the when the artist never admits it, or the musicians that work with them never admit it. You know, yeah, 
mm-hmm. you know, speculation. And sometimes, you know, I want to go back on what I said a little bit because at times it can be. I, you know, maybe I'm sure there are times where some of them are not thinking hard about the, the, the their friends, you know, the, the Beatles. And uh, but I just don't think every time, you know, I hear this about mm-hmm. some of the wildest songs. I just think, you know, <laughs> um, wasn't Friends to Go something to do with George, though? Oh, no, no. What it was was this, he wrote that in the style of George, and he, oh, what he said, George. he always said that oh. this is a song that George could have wrote. Could have. Oh. Right, here I go. He said he was channeling George. Yeah. Mm, oh, okay. okay. Yeah. Well, and uh, Paul sorry. did say, Dear Friend is about John, mm-hmm. you know, but not yes. Dear Boy. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah, the song we were singing, the song we were singing. Not only a great song, but great book. Well, thank you. Good book book title. Uh, (laughs) That's about John. Mm-hmm. Well, okay. and and I, I apologize. There was a commenter who said this earlier, and I there are too many here to scroll down, but I'll just paraphrase yeah. it. That um, you know, that after John came out with "How Do You Sleep," mm-hmm. um, you know, I think. And I agree. I think people then started reading into these lyrics because, of course, how do you sleep was, you know, obviously. (laughs) And and by the way, as as depressing as that is, that's a great song. I mean, the lyrics are just. I I like this song. It's a great put down song. It is. is. I mean, I feel bad because it's. Put downs I've ever seen. We love Paul. But, you know, the. I like when he don't try to cover it up. Oh, I'm attacking myself, really. You know, right. mm-hmm. later on, and he say, you know, oh, some show he said, well, if I can't have a fight with my best friend, I don't know who right. I can, who can have a fight with. <laughs> That's you know, I like stuff like that. He's trying to you know make it nice, nicer. Uh, but uh, you know, why why you brought how do you sleep up? I might as well throw this in there quickly. I don't know if this is true. Another myth that I hear a lot is that Ringo was present was going to do some work on how do you sleep and supposedly he heard all the lyrics and he kept saying yeah, all right john that's, that, enough. that's enough yeah i've heard that. and and it walked out I, I don't think that's ever been really i could be wrong but i i don't think that's been substantiated anywhere that but that's now gospel also that ringo was like enough okay. john yeah i've heard that as well yeah, yeah. so these yeah. are all good myths yeah. here I mean, there's yeah, a new one too that we can debunk now because thanks to that tape that you know that came re that re-entered our lives. Oh, yeah, you know, we've got the uh, you know we can put the Ringo uh, quote from the anthology. The rest now oh, this was our last track, our last take, our last song. You know mm. we can we we now know that John wanted to do another album. You know after Abbey Road. So yeah, but yeah. you also know as of that moment. Yeah, yeah. yes, as of that moment precisely. <laughs> but John, it's, could it's documented. Too. It's documented. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That's the that's the important part that it's you know he did say it yeah and then now we're hearing that once john did the live piece in toronto show yeah all of a yes. sudden he said well i'm really enjoying the fact that i can have a band of my own here where i can be the leader you know yeah. i don't have to answer anybody else and that that was an influence in the decision yeah. of absolutely the yes. break it up but you absolutely. know the whole beetle breakup is so complicated it <laughs> yeah. sure is and that's what makes it all fascinating and yeah. you know for anyone to pinpoint one reason why the beatles broke up although i'm sure that just about everybody watching will probably say it was alan klein or you know it could be you know it's all of those <laughs> things all rolled up into <laughs> yeah, one exactly perfect storm but, yeah <laughs> 
you know, it's and, and they were grown up, they were matured, and they were uh, other things in their lives were coming now. It wasn't just the one goal of the Beatles so much anymore. Right, you know, it was a whole bunch they of things. Yeah. Once you study 1969 in particular, so many things happened to them in that year. Between John and Yoko getting married, Paul and Linda getting married, you know, Apple, all the problems they had with their company, how to resolve that, doing solo projects, and, you know. Could you imagine whole- being a hired historian in 1965 for the, I'm, ni- I'm sorry, 1969 for the Beatles? You would never get any sleep. <laughs> constantly, you know, jotting stuff down and following them nonstop. It would be you. You need four of them. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Sometimes I think that fans want such a simple explanation to it all, and it's mm. just not. Oh, right. You're dealing with four grown men who are very similar in some ways and very different in a lot of ways, and they all had different desires at that time, mm-hmm. and you know, their lives were changing rapidly, and. uh you know, part of the reason why the Beatles are so fascinating is because it's so complicated. The Beatles story, the Beatles story is just as fascinating and compelling as the music sometimes. And uh, that's why a lot of books are coming out now about Abbey Road and about 1969. And no doubt there'll be more yep. and more things will be uncovered. So, you know, we just keep on learning as much as we can and trying to understand. Yeah. Yep. Realizing that we'll never know everything no. about the Beatles. True. Too many pieces. Biggest, yes. Yeah. Anything else you guys want to add? Um, you know, the real quick, the the one Paul just can't seem to get rid of. You know, we weren't coming to America without a number one. Um, you know, yeah. it's just, you know, they were booked in November, I believe it was, to come to America. And I don't think I Want to Hold Your Hand was released until December. I believe, the end of December. America. Yeah. yeah, and then and then you know just coincidence or fate, whatever yeah. you want to call it. I mean, it was number one when they arrived, so you know it does make for a good story, but it's just not it's just not accurate. You know, the problem I have with that is that anytime Paul has said that, no one has ever challenged him on it. Right. Yeah. And I sometimes wonder, just trying to give Paul the benefit of the doubt here, when he said we wouldn't come to America without a number one, could he possibly have meant we wouldn't have done our first tour there? and tour there mm. because they didn't tour until the summertime. And by then they'd already right. had number ones. Right. Maybe that he never said we wouldn't come on Ed Sullivan. Right. You know, until we had a number one, he didn't mm. say that. He just said we wouldn't come to America. So, just America. you know, I'm not totally sure what Paul meant by that, but you know, I remember talking about this in the eighties on my radio show. How could how could Paul say such a thing? Uh, you know, wait, you'll have to ask about that when you talk to him, Ken. Definitely. Yeah. Okay. You have I to Can you arrange that for me, Joe? Yeah. Oh, no, I was hoping you could arrange it for me, though. <laughs> I'm just uh, showing here. Okay. Uh, we have Corey Johnson. It's first uh, first talk more talk live viewing. So hey, hello. Corey. Hey, hi, Corey. Hi, Corey. <laughs> Good. <laughs> Thank you for taking the time. Yes. Any more myths? I've got uh, oh, yeah. another one. I can There's bring lots up. of them. There's lots of them. Yeah. <laughs> well, we, we could save them for part two. You know, or, or yeah. sometime along. I mean, here we are with another series on our hands. I you think know? we've got another series. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you can create a podcast just on this. Myths. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Myth busting. That's right. you know, you're dealing with. 60 plus years of history. Exactly. Yeah. There are bound to be inaccuracies out there. 
there will always be inaccuracies, <laughs> but um, and things that are said that haven't been proven. So that's what we're tackling here on the show tonight. How about the Saturday Night Live one that I've got in my back pocket, real quick? Uh-huh. You know, you know the Lorne Michaels routine on Saturday Night Live. Hey, you know, if yeah. Beatles, if you're watching, you know, come on yeah. down. We'll give you such and such amount of money less to Ringo. If you want to give him less, it's up to you. Three thousand dollars. You know, it, John and Paul were in fact. That's not the myth, because they were, in fact, watching that show at the Dakota, because both Paul and John confirmed that. Mm-hmm. But well, the myth to me is, I've heard stories that, oh, you know, they were ready to go, and they and they got in the cab, but they, they, the cab driver couldn't find the, the address. And if you watch the movie Two of Us, of course, they yep. stick Yoko again as, as yeah. the, you know, the B word, you know, who, like, <laughs> they're ready to go. They grab their guitars, they're hopping, they're, they're there, you know. And then Yoko calls up, and she's on the phone, and John just curls into a fetus, and... <laughs> All of a sudden, my mother's on the phone, and I'm not going down there. Baloney! Uh-huh. They said, they just, they looked at each other, and they thought, just for a split second, they thought, maybe. And I think, uh, I know Ken Womack even brought this up a, uh, a little bit, uh, talking to him on the side, said that I, I, I think the the wives were there, too, uh, Linda and Yoko were there, and the, kid, was, the kids. So. I think Linda was there, yeah. I don't know. About uh, the or kids. the kids. But uh, what, what, if it was true or not, I mean, all I know is one thing. One of them said, John, or Paul, the fact is we were just too tired, really. Must have been, it could have been Paul, I don't know. But I remember Paul going like this. For a split second, we thought, you know. And just it. because he said that, and John said that, make a movie out of it. <laughs> I like that as a what if scenario. I don't mind, yeah. you know. I don't mind some what ifs like that works, except for the ending. That then, then the ending with that becomes not a what if scenario, but it becomes like they're talking about a specific historical point, but something that happened, and they're mm-hmm. yeah. rewriting it. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Any last ones we want to get in? Or Kit, you want to get one more in? Well, I'll just uh, this. This is another one that could be another show. So I'm just going to briefly mention it. Um, that I, I've, if I had a dollar for every time somebody told me uh, Michael Jackson stole the Beatles catalog from Paul, um, I, I'd be very rich. Um, and uh, you know, it's. Yeah, <laughs> I, mean, I, I cannot tell you how many times. You know, it it was. I mean, I'm not going to go through the whole the whole story on this episode. That'd be for a future one. But no, basically, it was that you know Paul um, had the opportunity um, in '85, I think it was, to uh, to you know buy it. And there are some stories that have been you know not 100 percent substantiated that he and Yoko you know, talked about going in on it together and, yep. and Yoko said, you know, I think we can bargain them down a bit. Now, meanwhile, Michael being an astute businessman here mm-hmm. said, I'll pay whatever it is. And, uh, and his lawyer said he did contact uh, Paul and Yoko and said, are mm-hmm. you guys going to bid? And they said, no. And I could never understand that. Yeah, I, think, I don't know. Yeah, I yeah. think that story is in the Doggett book. Uh, you never give me your money, yes. which I think you just got there, Joe. I just right? got, I just got a yeah, copy of that. Yeah. I, I think it's a good read. I think you mm. might like yeah, it. Absolutely. Mm. And so, yeah, I mean, for I mean, I, and I can't imagine why they ever thought that this would be could be bargained down. I mean, this is the yeah. Beatles catalog. This is the you know the mm. Wolf 
Royce. Um, and it's amongst the two of them. It's John. It's a uh, Yoko and Paul together. Yeah, I yeah, think I they. Th- felt, I think Paul felt like it was his music, and he shouldn't have uh, had to have paid all that yeah, money. He, he did, for, but they'd sign yeah, that deal. Well, look at the alternative. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, exactly. So Michael gets it. Yeah, and so Michael said, "I'll pay what you know, whatever." So I think he paid like forty-seven million. Now, right. on a friendship level, was that the nicest thing to do? No, but no. I mean, he got it fair and square. I mean, he bought it, and yes, I know Paul advised him to go into music publishing. And I'm going to buy your songs. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, I that, couldn't resist. I couldn't resist. Know. And, you know, no, it's true though. It's I mean that's exactly what happens. But you know that's the thing. Yeah, if Michael didn't steal the catalog. I mean, he bought it fair and square. As I said, whether you on a friendship level that was a great thing. That's you know you can debate that. But um, you know, and and hopefully um, you know, I guess Paul is working to get them back. Uh, you know, buy them back, and there's it's all kind of hush hush uh, from last time. Right, right. It's uh, confidential. What, what what the deal is but um, but yeah so so i i'm glad i can get this off my chest because i can't tell you truly every time like you know he stole the he stole the catalog from paul no <laughs> okay <laughs> all right that's a strong one to end with right there and we're gonna have to do this again because there's plenty more myths yes and uh, this has been a great show. Why don't we each yeah. give each other our contact information? If I can yeah. still talk, losing my voice. <laughs> <laughs> and this is called Talk More Talk. Yeah, um, Joe, a big, there's a big announcement that's coming up. So. Oh, that's oh, true. Boy, Thomas, everybody oh, out. yeah. I wanted to know about that, actually. Yeah. Should, should, who starts? Me? Uh, you do, you said- Joe. Okay, no, well, um, you know, I, I, I do a show called Talk More Talk, where occasionally I I am a pitch-hitting co-host, uh, and I got two credits now, I got that, and uh, also I just have a YouTube channel, and there it is, Mean Mr. Mayo, and, uh, you know, I do all kinds of stuff on there, I just did three videos where I got a lot of interesting Beatles uh, and solo Beatles uh, pieces of memorabilia that you might want to look at, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, occasional uh, interviews, uh, topics, I did some controversial ones about John Lennon, uh, noticing that it seems to me that he nicked a lot of, uh, pinched a lot of songs a lot more, maybe, than Paul, uh, you know, and uh, that was uh, getting a lot of controversy also. Depending on how you feel about spiritual things, I think on the eighth day, God created the Beatles. That's another video that I did. You might want to check out. So there's a lot of fun stuff. And sometimes when I'm not doing Beatles or solo Beatles, I'm ranting. I'm doing rant videos about things that really the truck, the truck grind rant my was, gears. Yeah, the trunk, the truck uh, rant was, was pretty spectacular. Yes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, uh, <laughs> Those things, those gigantic. I mean, you drive a a car, not a, a tank. You know, <laughs> <laughs> and that's it. That's me. All right, yeah. Kit, you're next. Okay. Well, as I mentioned, I'm going to be at uh, the conference this weekend, so hope uh, hope to see some of you there. Uh, I also um, was recently on another podcast. Uh, Tomorrow Never Knows, uh, co-hosted by Bob Wilson and Warren Brown. Hopefully, they're still uh, they're still watching. And I have to uh, thank Warren um, because he sent me. I hope you guys can see. Oh, there we go. Hey, 
Yeah. Barn. Mug, check it out. Uh, mm-hmm. My books and everything. So, uh, <laughs> Warren Brown, great, great artist. Go over to his, his page, Warren Brown's art page on Facebook, and he's got some great, great stuff. Um, and uh, my columns will be back as soon as I get back from uh, from this conference. It's uh, I've just been focusing full time on that. So, that uh, is always, you can uh, go to my website, kiddotool.com, follow me on Facebook, follow me on Twitter and uh, you'll uh, you'll be updated on all the stuff that I'm doing. Okay. <laughs> Tom, you have a huge announcement. Yeah. Everybody's yeah, waiting for it. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, just want to say, uh, you know, a couple of months ago, my the, my cousin who I do the show with, David Gargolino, Two, two Legs, legs. Yeah. Um, you know, he, he announced that he wanted a divorce. So I went into a two month, uh, drunken, uh, little, uh, you know, powwow and, uh, <laughs> in like every day. And, uh, no, <laughs> no, but anyways, no, uh, he, he announced that he wanted to, to, uh, leave two legs, which, you know, he's my, my cousin is a very busy guy, has a lot of hobbies and he just, you know, is always doing something. So I, you know, I respect his, his, his wishes to, to want to leave the show. And I want to thank him for three seasons of just having a lot of fun with him. You know, uh, I knew him as a child, but as families do, we kind of, you know, grow apart. So I was able to reconnect with uh, David in 2009 at my wedding. And then ever since then, we probably, haven't gone more than three days in a row without texting each other. It's nonstop. It's just really, it was a great pleasure to do the show with him. So I was debating on whether or not to continue or not. And, um, you know, I was asking around if other people wanted to, you know, to be a part of the show. And then I finally did find, uh, you know, a great gentleman who, who decided that, you know, he wanted to come on board and his name is drum roll, please. His name uh, is, Andy, <laughs> his name is Andy Nichols and, um, he's a big fan of this show and, uh, you know, he's a fan of two legs. So I'm really proud to have him aboard on the two legs staff. He, he's got a title that's really impressive. Um, he's one of 75 people that holds this masters of, uh, the Beatles. Uh, popular music and society. Once again, only 75 people have this title and, you know, he went to Liverpool to, to get this and, um, he's a, you know, a smart guy. I'm looking forward to doing many shows with him and, um, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be fun. Um, and one other little announcement if I can make too, I, um, a musician friend of mine who I got to see him perform, his name is Dylan Seavey. And, uh, he plays with a, um, uh, gentleman named Ron Gallo, who's, um, a really great musician as well, younger musician. And he is going to be doing some um, intro and outro work for us as well. He's going to be doing some drumming stylings of, of Paul McCartney, which I can't wait to uh, hear yeah. what he comes up with. So I'm right. really looking forward to that as well. So so we're making some changes, and uh, we're going to sing the changes. We're looking for changes, Ooh. all that changes <laughs> stuff. <you know? laughs> and, uh, ah. you know, it's it's sad because I'm not doing the show with my cousin anymore, but I'm looking forward to what the, what the uh, I'm, you know, hope for the future you know it's going to be i wish you good luck good luck tom thank you thank you thank you i'm looking forward to all my guesses so (laughs) so was i yeah (laughs) we were all wrong right (laughs) congratulations i i know david's a great guy oh he is yeah too i had a lot of fun with all right. Um, as for me you can get in touch with me at my email address which is every little thing at att.net. I also have a Facebook page for Ken Michaels. You can 
be a friend of mine. Um, and I have uh, my syndicated Beatles show, Every Little Thing, which uh, is on 39 radio stations. There's a show every single week. And uh, if you want to know where you can find it, on my website, kenmichaelsradio.com, there is a page for Every Little Thing, which lists all the radio stations that carry it with links to their websites and their broadcast times. I also have a trivia page. Every single week I give away great prizes. You can win one of nine prizes, either books, CDs, or DVDs. Kids' book, Songs Who Are Singing, is a fixture there on that page and uh, probably always will be. <laughs> How many radio stations did you say your show was on, Ken? 39. You're not, you're not saying nobody's no winners have taken it yet, have you? Yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding. It's, no. I have the book. It's a great book. I got so, it. I have it. Yeah. So is, is it the same show for all 39 channels or, or stations, or do you do, do, do you do 39 different shows for each station? <laughs> I love the Beatles, but that's going a little bit too far. Actually, um, there's over 120 shows that I've produced. Wow. Wow. They're all different. Wow. Anytime yeah. any radio station signs up for the show, they have access to all the shows. Oh, so you could be listening to all 39 stations, and all 39 could be running different shows. Yeah. But when I do have a new show produced, which is usually every other week or every three weeks, mm-hmm. a lot of those stations run it at once. Oh, cool. If they want any new shows that have new product in it, whether it's What's My Name or mm-hmm. whether it's something from the Abbey Road box set, then they have to, they have to run the newest show. Or yeah. something like that. Right. So, yeah, but that's there on my website, and uh, the trivia is there, too. So uh, that's KenMichaelsRadio.com. My other Beatles show, talk show, podcast, Things We Said Today, which I co-host with Darren DeVivo and Alan Cozen, that's available on Podbean and YouTube and uh, iTunes, <laughs> just like us. And yep. we just recorded a show before this show was recorded. <laughs> Marathon Monday. man over here. Monday's wow. a busy day for me. <laughs> and um, it's not going to be posted until Friday, mm. which by sheer coincidence is the same day of the Abbey Road box set. Right. But that doesn't mean it's about the Abbey Road box set. Right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure a special so, uh, journalist that you have on the show might have had early access to the uh, to the music. Yeah. I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, okay, fair enough. <laughs> just, just a thought. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we might say a few things about Abbey Road in the new show, but it won't be posted until Friday. So I'm looking forward to that. Okay. Oh, very cool. Very this cool. has been a great show and a great theme for the show, and I can't wait to do more of them. You know? Do you think we can talk for another hour so I can not fall asleep? Uh, because I want to make sure I, I see Paul in an hour, and I'm afraid I'm going to conk out before then. So, <laughs> want to stay on for another hour? Sure. Okay, no I could. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know if you're our gonna, viewers want that, but yeah. <laughs> you're going to go live right after this, probably, aren't you, Joe? Oh, I didn't think of that. Hey, that's a way to stay awake. I didn't even think yeah. of that. Mm. <laughs> but I might yeah. fall asleep. I think one time I nodded off live for like a moment, but. <laughs> <laughs> So I'm glad you brought that up to remind everybody, Paul on Stephen Colbert's site. And uh, since I mentioned my trivia, I'm going to be posting it within 20 minutes from now, the new one for the week on my website. So go to KenMichaelsRadio.com for that. Okay. Great. And uh, did we, we didn't give contact information for this show, right? Not yet. Kit, you're the best at that. 
Okay. (laughs) You can find us on Facebook. Uh, If you like our page, you will get um, automatic uh, reminders and notices of when we post a new show. And we post a lot of other fun things on there as well. So uh, so do check that out. Uh, You can follow us on Twitter at Talk Talk More Talk One. And you can email us at TalkMoreSoloTalk at gmail.com. Email us suggestions, and you just might find one of your ideas on our show. Okay. Yeah, very good. Mm -hmm. She's good at memorizing all that stuff. (laughs) (laughs) And I just got a text from David. He won't leave me alone. I'm (laughs) off the show now. You know, leave me alone. (laughs) Well, maybe, maybe it will become three legs then. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. Uh, okay. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Very this good. has been great doing the show and we want to thank my co-hosts here, Joe, Tom and Kit. Thank all of our listeners and we will see you all next time. Let's go.